Good to see all of you today. After I became a Christian, I was 19. I was thinking I might be a medical doctor, a missionary. I decided I would go talk with a doctor concerning being a doctor. I went and talked to a nice man in an adjoining city who was a doctor. But we didn't talk much about doctoring. But he wanted to show me a scripture about keeping Sabbath. I didn't know the Bible all that well at that point. But I started keeping the Old Testament Mosaic Sabbath. Friday night to Saturday night. And I did that for around six months. Toward the end, I got really questioning, is this something that is necessary? Now, if you were here last Sunday, you remember I shared several scriptures, scriptures that helped me come free from this concept, scriptures that are quite clear. In fact, one of them that I shared was Galatians chapter 4, verse 10. You observe days and months and times and years, and it goes on to say, I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed on you labor in vain. At any rate, my work schedule, everything was geared to keeping the Old Testament Sabbath. But I began praying about it and being uneasy about it. Perhaps part of that was that I'd studied the Bible more, began to learn the freedom that we have in Jesus. And I do not recommend what I did, but I believe God answered. One particular day, I thought I would go to the Bible and I would just open it up and that God might speak to me. And I was zeroed in and focused on this idea of keeping the Old Testament Sabbath. Was this necessary? And again, I don't necessarily recommend you do this, but I believe in that case, God answered my desire and my prayer and helped me. Well, where did I open the Bible to? Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. Bearing in mind my situation and my prayer, consider how appropriate this passage, today's special passage is and was for me at the time. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Because it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, a slave maid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he from the free woman, which would have been Sarah, was by promise, which things are an allegory. That's the title of the message today, an allegory. An allegory is something that represents something else. It symbolizes something else. 
which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the two agreements, the two testaments. The one from the Mount Sinai, which genders to bondage, which is Hagar. That's the bond made of Sarah. Her name was Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. So you see, she pictures Mount Sinai where the Ten Commandments and the law was given. And answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. She represents those who were tied into the law. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of all of us, because it is written, Rejoice, you barren, who does not bear. Break forth and cry out, you who do not travail. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we brothers, like Isaac was. Now Isaac, you see, was the child of Abraham and Sarah. We are the children of promise. God had promised that this would happen, even though they were very, very old. And Sarah was long past the age of childbearing. God had promised back in Genesis 18 that she would have a child, and this would be the special child, the promised child, given to Abraham. Even though he already had had a child by Hagar, we're going to go into that. But as then, he who was born after the flesh persecuted him who was born after the spirit. It's saying that Isaac was persecuted by Ishmael, Hagar's child. Even so, now it is. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, because the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brothers, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Therefore, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Well, that hit the nail right on the head, didn't it? And that was a great help to me in coming free from the legalism of the Old Testament. There was another verse that also I remember was a great help. It's found in Romans 8:14. It tells us that everyone who is led by the Spirit of God is a child of God, basically. At the time I was attending an evangelical church, I was in college at Berkeley. A lot of Baptists went to that church, even though it was a Presbyterian church. They had a great young people's club called the Calvin Club. <clears throat> and the pastor was a good man. And I believe that he was definitely a man of, with God's spirit. And what blessings came when we would hear his sermons. <clears throat> and so I thought about this verse 
those led by the Spirit of God, they're God's sons. And so here was a man who did not keep the Old Testament Sabbath as I had been doing, and yet I believed was led by the Spirit of God and was one of God's servants. So those two passages here in Galatians 4 in the beginning of chapter 5, which by the way goes on to talk about circumcision and the Mosaic law, and Romans 8.14 were very significant in my coming free. And we sang, didn't we, about the freedom that we have in Jesus. We have freedom from the Old Testament law. We have freedom from sin. We have freedom from fear. We have freedom from Satan. That's a lot of freedom, isn't it? That happens when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This passage here and these things are geared to the main message of the book of Galatians. I'd like to read chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the light of what's just been said in chapter 4, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Then, like I said, it goes on to talk about circumcision and the Old Testament law. The book of Galatians, the main message is that. Previously, I pointed out how succinct it is, how beautifully ex expressed in chapter 2 of Galatians, verse 16. This, too, is the main message of the book of Galatians. Knowing that a man, a person, is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. That's very clear, isn't it? That's what Galatians is all about, to give us that kind of freedom. And so I eventually came free from this. I believe God guided me, and I believe the scripture accords with the freedom we have in the Lord. Now, I did point out, though, something very important as I gave those scriptures last Sunday. <clears throat> we should not allow difference of opinion about keeping a day or not keeping a day, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, or eating certain foods or not eating certain foods, we should not let any of that disrupt our fellowship with others who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all one if we've truly trusted in him. Romans 14 explains that those who have the freedom, those who are free, are not bound to certain days and certain foods, that they have a strong faith. On the other hand, it indicates that those who are bound by those things have a weak faith. But again, the point is, don't judge one another on these matters and don't let it disrupt fellowship. Now, back to Galatians chapter 4. There are a couple of Old Testament references here in this chapter. One is in verse 27, Galatians 4, 27. 
because it is written, Rejoice, you barren who bear not. Break forth and cry out, you who do not travail. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Okay, where's that found in the Old Testament? Well, if you go with me back to Isaiah, right after that famous, well-known 53rd chapter, very first verse of the next chapter, Isaiah 54, is this. Sing, O barren, you who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry out aloud, you who did not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. So you see here in Galatians 4, it's referring back to that statement from the prophet Isaiah. And then it also talks about another quote here, a reference, verse 30, Galatians 4.30, Nevertheless, what says the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Well, where is that found? Go with me, if you would, back to Genesis chapter 21. In chapter 21, we find beginning in verse 9, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, that would be Ishmael, which she had borne to Abraham, mocking. You see, Isaac had been born. He was probably a young teenager or thereabouts at this age. And his older brother, the one who had been born of the slave woman, was making fun of him. So you see, that's what it's referring to. That's what we find was happening. And so then what happens? Verse 10, chapter 21 of Genesis. Wherefore she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. It was God's plan that Isaac be the inheritor of the promises, the promise from Abraham that all the earth would be blessed through him, that a seed, Christ, would come and be a blessing to everyone. Salvation would be offered for all. And so this order was given, and God was concerned, yes, about Hagar, but she was not to stay, and her son was not to be an heir of Abraham like Isaac was. In fact, Isaac is referred to as an only son because he was the only son who was truly important in the continuance of the promise went through him. Now, having said that, let's actually go back here to Genesis chapter 16 where it talks about Hagar. Back to Genesis 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, that's before both their names had been changed to Sarah and Abraham, bare no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. So we see that this handmaid of Sarah was an Egyptian. Her name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Look now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. 
See, that was really a serious thing back in those days. Women kind of tied their self-worth into whether they could have children or not. And so Sarai, later known as Sarah, was very concerned about that, that she didn't have a child. So she figured out something, and this kind of thing others did at times. I pray thee, I ask you, Abraham, her husband, go into my maid. That's quite a thing to ask. But she was so desperate to have a child. And as I said, this seemed to be rather common practice. In fact, later, grandson of Abraham, Jacob, he had a couple wives, Leah and uh, Rachel, and some of this came into play there. When they wanted more children and wanted children, they would give their handmaid <laughs> to Jacob. So it was not an unusual thing which was done here, but it was kind of a scary and thing that caused a lot of troubles. Go into my maid. Maybe I will have children by her. And Abraham, Abram paid attention to the voice of Sarai. He listened to what she said. And Sarai, Abraham's, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. You can see how that could cause some problems. And it did. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. She got pregnant. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress, Sarah, was despised in her eyes. I guess she figured, look, something wrong with Sarah. She couldn't get pregnant. I'm pregnant now. And she despised her mistress. Sarai said to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. I have given my maid into your bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and you. <laughs> well, that's so the way we are, isn't it? Instead of saying it's my fault that I ever came up with this idea, she says it's your fault. <laughs> we don't like to admit maybe when we have done something that wasn't wise or something that's wrong. Blame other people. Maybe you've known people, they've never done anything wrong. It's always somebody else. Well, that's what happened here. Uh, Sarai was blaming her husband for this. Lord, Lord, judge between me and you. <laughs> that took a lot of patience probably for them both at this point. But Abram said to Sarai, Look, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as it pleases you. And when Sarai dealt hardly, difficult way with her, she fled from her face. So the slave maid ran away. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the desert, by the fountain in the way that goes to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where do you come from and where will you go? And she said, I'm fleeing from the face of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress, 
and submit yourself under her hands. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your seed very much so that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Look, you are with child, and you shall give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears. Answered prayer, as it were. Because the Lord has heard your affliction, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall live in the presence of all his brothers. And she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You God, see me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Beer Lahiroi, the well of him who hears and sees, or who exists, lives. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Berid. And Hagar gave birth to Abraham a son. And Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. So that's rather interesting and different kind of a situation, wasn't it? But you can see what, what difficulties this produced <laughs> and the friction. And the first time that Hagar left, then she was instructed to go back and to submit to Sarah. Well, what happened later? Let's go to chapter 21 of Genesis, beginning in verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had spoken. See, God keeps his promises. She was going to have a child. She laughed when she heard that. She thought it was ridiculous. She was too old. Because Sarah conceived and gave birth to Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham, his name had now been changed, hers had been changed to Sarah, of his son that was born to him, whom Sarah bare to him, he called him Isaac, which appropriately means laughter. And then what happened later, as we've seen here? Let's drop down to verses 9 and 10. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne to Abraham, mocking this was, you see, fast forward quite a few years. Isaac had grown. Perhaps he was a young teenager or even a little younger. And so Ishmael was making fun of him. Wherefore, she said to Abraham, Sarah said Abraham this, throw out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And as we study the scripture, we find out that Abraham listened to her. He did that. He sent Hagar away and her son Isaac. I mean her son uh, Ishmael. Now, by the way, Ishmael is the progenitor 
Ishmael is the ancestor of the Arab people. And it said he would be a wild man, and as you know, the Arabs and the Israelis don't get along very well even today. <laughs> so we see what a, what a situation was developed and grew out of that. Cast out the bondwoman and her son, he will not be heir with the son of the free woman. So as we look at this whole thing in a broad sense, we see it's an allegory, it's a representation. And what's it represent? It represents the Old Testament Mosaic law as opposed to the freedom we have in Jesus. Ishmael represents the bondage and we find that Isaac represents the freedom. And it mentions here how that even Sarah herself is the mother of us all. Back in Galatians chapter four, the last verse. So if we're Christians, if we've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, who rose from the dead, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, if we've trusted in him in our very own personal way, then we become children of God. We become spiritual children of Abraham and even of Sarah. And we're born into this freedom that God has given to us. I thank God for the freedom. I think many times we do not claim it and live it as we should, but it's offered to us and we're to cast all our cares on him, on the Lord, because he cares for us. So again, the main message here is right here. We are not under the bondage of the Mosaic law, the keeping of days and other things and circumcision. Instead, we are free in the Lord Jesus Christ. If the Son makes us free, we are truly free. Let us not therefore live in bondage, but let us experience the freedom which he gives us through our wonderful Lord, all-powerful Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let us pray together. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Thank you that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. Thank you when we trust in him that we are born again, we're saved, we're forgiven, we receive the gift of everlasting life, and God's spirit comes and lives in us and helps us live our daily lives. Oh Lord, may we truly trust you and allow your power to flow through us. Give us your victory, not just on Sundays, but every day. May every day be a day given over for Jesus. May we live for him. We praise you, we thank you, we honor you. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen. May God bless you and hope to see you next Sunday.